they put it? Hello and welcome back to the Matron Saint of Nightmares podcast. I am the Acolyte. And I am the Matron. And today uh, we watched Saint Maud. Uh, But before we start, um, we are joined by a special guest. He is actually my brother. Um, His name is the Sound Demon. Kind of like the Mailer Demon, you know, when shit goes wrong in your email. (laughs) And uh, he's kind of the dude when shit goes wrong with our sound. Um, He is an artist down in Southern California. Well, that's too much information, but whatever. There's like semi anonymity <laughs> on this thing, um, and uh, but he's uh, yeah, he does a lot of our sound for us. Uh, he's been processing a lot of our audio files, and uh, we're actually recording on his bougie sound equipment today. Yeah, it's and, uh, it's a nice setup, man. Yeah, I really hope it sounds better. <laughs> it <laughs> will. Oh yeah, we, we, we couldn't tell. Yeah, we could tell. <laughs> waste of fucking fire the sound demon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and so uh, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do for the podcast is to bring on guests. You know, we'll start off with just our friends, um, and uh, um, as you know, the matron is um, a therapist in her job, and. Um, so we collectively know a bunch of therapists, but also since it's movies, wanted to bring in people that had an interest in movies. Um, and uh, the sound demon likes movies to say the least. Like the movies. Yeah, definitely. So uh, yeah, so we watched Say Mod. I think it's a British film. I think it came out in late 2019, but wasn't kind of widely released until recently. Mm-hmm. Um, it is about a hospice nurse that um, is a recent convert to Catholicism. Um, so she's a follower of Cathol. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so she is assigned to the care of a former dancer. Um, and uh, just kind of uh, showing you what happens, I guess. I'm finally glad that we are focusing on another saint. Yes. You know? It's great. Yeah. I'm not the... Super candy. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, so what'd you think? I thought it was really uh, ripe with a lot of mental health stuff to talk about, for sure. Um, I think that one of the things that stuck out to me is I really appreciated how they kind of didn't tell you if it was what was real and what wasn't, and that you were kind of just uh, uh, seeing things through Katie's eyes or Maude's eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did a, there's some fantastical elements in it. Um, and yeah, I liked how a lot of the fantastical elements... Because usually you're... It's more... It's, it's shot from a third-person perspective, obviously, but mm-hmm. you almost see the fantastical elements through a first-person perspective because... Um, yeah, it just things happen and it, it tends to be from what I guess she's experiencing in her, in her mind. Right. If that's, you know, even 
what happened. I think the ending kind of gives us a clue to that. And I think that there are some clues along the way. Um, there, one thing that I thought was really interesting is how like watching this as a therapist who work with people with psychosis often, it, it really does show that, um, in reality, this people can have somatic hallucinations. We often talk about audio hallucinations, like you're hearing someone talk or you're hearing voices. We talk about like seeing things that aren't there, mm -hmm. but also you can have um, like olfactory hallucinations, which is when you smell something mm -hmm. that's not there, or you can have tactile hallucinations, which um, are on your body. So sometimes, and like, I think the most pain I've ever seen someone be in when is when they were having a tactile hallucination. Mm. Um, and it feels like what you're hallucinating is actually happening. Um, so you can, you know, hallucinate that or have a hallucination that you got shot and it feels like you got shot right. to your brain's kind of best ability to like form that. Right. And so it's an actual physical pain. And a lot of times when we talk about like, we use the term like somatic, um, people hear it most often when you have a headache and people are like, oh, are you stressed? Is it a somatic headache? Mm. Um, and sometimes it could talked about as if somatic meant like it's all in your head. Um, but the reality of it is, is that, yeah, our brain is in our head and our brain sends messages right. to our body and it actually physically responds. It's a physical pain that is triggered from the head, from the mind. Right. So it's not like you can like, in most cases, un like think yourself out of a stress headache, right? right? It's, your brain is actually like your head is actually hurting, and it's a complete misfire. Absolutely, it's reacting as it normally would, but that then never occurred. Right, right, and so like I think for a lot of these um, possible potential hallucinations that she's having throughout this show, um, throughout the movie, there are a lot of them that seem to be like really sexually fixated. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that actually back in the day, like seventies and eighties, we talked about that as if it was really rare, but actually we found out like through, you know, more diversified research that folks actually, um, often will have like sexual hallucinations that are somatic. Um, and a lot of the people just like in the studies that we have were found to have been like survivors of child sexual assault. And then when they were having like the hallucination, there was an overwhelming kind of correlation between like experiences that they had had mm -hmm. and like their hallucination in present day. So I think there's a, we don't necessarily have great bodies of research behind it, but I think the relationship too, between like a psychotic disorder, like schizophrenia, um, or schizoaffective disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder. I mm -hmm. think there's a really strong relationship there. Yeah. Not only because like people with psychotic disorders are more often victims of violence, right. um, but I think also because you know there's kind of this relationship with some people's hallucinations versus what they've experienced. Totally, and it's right. totally laid out in the beginning. The, the movie starts with the the traumatizing event that she goes through. Right. Whether or not the hallucinations had started prior to that is also up to the, the viewer to decide. Yeah. But we do witness her moments after um, what's, I mean, it's vague in the film because mm -hmm. the hallucination that she witnessed doesn't look like a flashback, but it could also just be 
a misfire, like a misread, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's... Um... I think it's interesting. So I think what happened, and I'm not sure what you guys like ter- like interpreted it the same way because mm. it was kind of vague, but I think what happened was she was performing CPR on a woman and broke her chest. That's what I thought. Yeah. Right? And then there's this point where she's having sex and she has like um, an image. She looks at the person she's having sex with and she has an image that she like broke, broke his chest cavity open, right? right? Oh, right. Yeah. And some blood pops out of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that that... Uh, that often happens for people like sometimes you can have a flashback and it's just like a moment or it's just like a picture that comes to your mind and honestly like that's often something that happens like part of what I liked in this movie is because there's a lot that like really tracked with I think a lot of people's experience Mm. and like often when people are like having sex they feel vulnerable right And so at that point, or you feel like open to something or you're like just experiencing your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And at that point, that's when your brain says like, "Uh Oh, you're like, you let your guard up. Like you have to like remind and it reminds you of like this trauma that you've experienced to kind of like shock you back into like that keyed up kind of like hyper. um, That safe space that you create for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I like how they did that. I think, the fact that she kind of had these like breakthrough, it was kind of like hard to follow. It was like mm-hmm. she had a flash of it. She saw the cock or the bug, the beetle on the, the ceiling. Yeah. And it was just like very piecey. Like there were just pieces of it here yeah. and there. Um, and, you know, for for a lot of people, like they don't experience like a flashback where they like think they're back in the moment completely. Mm-hmm. But they might experience it like that where like it just is like an intrusive memory. Right. Um that can be like very sensory so people can like like often i work with veterans so often people will say like i was at lunch and i smelled blood and then i couldn't stop smelling blood mm-hmm. right or things like that they just kind of like pop in um in the way that intrusive thoughts do yeah they and it, the way that the movie shoots the film i mean the, the way that it's shot is very indicative of that they yeah. it slowly trickles through all these small events that compound themselves into the like the finale of it yeah and we're, we're sort of experiencing it in the same level of confusion that she has i don't think she's completely aware of it and the way that she's embracing it feels like almost the antithesis of what's actually going on with her own health and right and yeah because yeah, it was it's an interesting cocktail i think like so you mentioned earlier psychosis Oh, so you think she was in psychosis? Or was it like more of like a... Because that's obviously a tra- traumatic experience, right? If mm-hmm. you're like giving CPR to somebody in a high-stress environment mm-hmm. and you break their chest and like blood, you know, comes mm-hmm. out. And so I guess that's what I'm curious is what your your interpretation of it was. Yeah, a lot of like high-stress or like traumatic um, events might because there's such like an emotional impact and your body is like so depleted like sometimes um that's the time when maybe like a psychotic disorder would arise i see and she's young also like under 35 is typically like the age group when like a first onset of psychosis could happen Uh, okay um and sometimes it's like after something terrible happens sometimes it's after something great happens and sometimes there's no correlation, uh, but often people are triggered by like right. a traumatic event. Yeah, because it, 
like I mentioned, it's an interesting cocktail because then she converts to Catholicism. Right. And then so a lot of... as well. Yeah, yeah, very intensely. But how could she not as well, right? Right. But like... If this is a response. Yeah. It has to be a match. But then that becomes the framework mm-hmm. that she's interpreting the psychosis that she's going through. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and so like... Like, uh, in one of the scenes, um, she's talking to her patient, Amanda, and she's asking her about, you know, her, her religion and sort of like, what does it feel like? And she's like, well, I pray. And he's, and she's sort of cynical. I and mean, she is cynical throughout the whole thing. Yeah. But she's like, so do you ever get a response? Because that's a classic question, right? Yeah. That's a question I've asked for myself too. But she gives the answer that I, I'm afraid to hear. <laughs> is oh I hear a voice, you right? Know? And not even in a, from a mental health perspective, but even as like somebody that was religious, right? That sort of when somebody says I hear a voice, I'm I'm highly skeptical of that, right? Because right? it's right. like, uh, right? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. You know? What do you sound like? Is got a deep voice? <laughs> is he kind of high pitch? Details, please. Yeah, right. right. And uh, but yeah, so a lot of the the the, the things that she goes through. Um, seems to match up with this newfound religion and that in a in, in kind of a in, in a bad way leads her further away from necessarily confronting like she's unwell right yeah. right yeah and I think that you know if if she did have a psychotic disorder of some kind I think that that would would not have probably been on accident. Yeah. Like I think like we create or our brain creates like what feels real to us and like what we can like relate to. Right. And so if it wasn't like Catholicism, maybe it would have been something else. Um, right. But people, one of the most common hallucinations is like spiritual kind of hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not not to say that. Some people do, like, believe that they hear the voice of God and they don't have, like, a psychotic disorder at all. And maybe they do. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't want to discount that. Yeah. And, you know, some people um, will see, like, their loved ones after they pass away. Mm-hmm. Like, or have, like, a experience of them or a vision of them. And all of those things, like, are, they happen without anyone having to worry about having a psychotic disorder. But oftentimes, because, like, our belief about like or our connection to religion makes us so um it's so intense it's life or death it's like the meaning of all of our experiences Mm -hmm. so they're very charged and that's why i think that they fit really well especially if somebody who feels like they're kind of losing their grip on their senses or reality or their ability to trust themselves it's really it kind of fits well to have a very structured yeah religion to follow with like specific guidelines and and often people with trauma um especially healthcare professionals like for that have lost patients will blame themselves and look for ways to punish themselves um subconsciously or consciously and she does a lot of like self-harm mm-hmm. behaviors throughout the movie mm-hmm. too and it at one point she's like crying and she said like i did all i could mm-hmm. and i felt like that was almost kind of her kind of slipping into like the reality of what had happened um I think it was before she saw God, before God right talked before, to her. Yeah. It was yeah. like her moment, her crisis of faith. Yeah. That was testing her in a sense. Yeah. Like in her psychosis. If we're right. going with that, that direction, like that's that moment. At least. That's right. How I saw it. So what do you guys think? Do you think that it was like real? Because 
I think the movie does that really well. Like you see the demon and you see her mm-hmm. levitate and all of that. Like, the do ending, you think the ending? Are we about to spoil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's spoiler rich. Talk about right. The, the, the okay, great. Um, yeah, the ending it ends with her um, burning herself self alive yeah. as if to send herself to God. Yeah. Um, and the last image, not the very very last image, but the, one of the last images was um, her. Glowing in light, yeah, yeah, as an angel with her wings like showing. And, but the thing that popped out to me was the the audience of people that went to go stop her from committing suicide. Yeah, they fell to the floor in in awe. They prostrated. They prostrated. Yes. They, they, they like they bowed to the glory of what was going on. What was going on? Um, and then at the very last moment, for a split second, we see her. The reality of her burning, yeah, right. and yeah. her her disfigured face, and the reality that she's not glowing in this this light. Yeah. Um, the scene with everyone bowing down was a dead giveaway for me, and I yeah. almost wanted to question like, am, are they leading us in a direction like, yeah, so obviously for any other reason? Because this is like, yeah, this feels like well, even like the, I don't know if they did it on purpose, but there's kind of like that scene is kind of done with like, it feels like cheap CG. Mm-hmm. And so there's like this weird like gloss to it. Yeah, like yeah. her wings. Like and there's there's great visual effects throughout. Yeah. And this moment has wings that are almost. I I can't tell if they're trying to uphold their image, her the image in her eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of how beautiful I see myself. Yeah. Or is it to signal to the audience that this is not happening? Maybe um, a little both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually lean yeah. more just in your first, the first mm-hmm. one where like. I sort of see, feel like um, everything that you see was what she imagined. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry. Bless you. Um, yeah, everything that you see is what she imagined what she was seeing. Mm-hmm. Or what, what was going on in her head. I think that was like how the, what the, what the movie was portraying. But yeah, I, I could, actually, I didn't thought that. Another part of the technique. Because for me, it would be... I, I don't want to think of it that way because it, it would be a little cynical, I guess, you know, because mm. I like the movie better when it's showing somebody's sort of like struggle with it all and the sort of like back, back talk cocktail that it is with religion, potentially, right? But if if it's sort of the filmmaker trying to make a commentary about no 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 you shouldn't go to religion because like if you're like in a bad mental state because like you should seek help Mm -hmm. like i don't necessarily love that kind of i think that's a little cynical and a little too dichotomous or not dichotomous but a little too binary yeah the only voice in the film that addresses her faith truly is her patient yeah and it's a constant cynical message throughout and it's yeah temptation away yeah, what she believes is to be her faith. But right. but I think in a way, like it's so helpful that she's a dying hospice, like patient, right? Because it shows her struggle very well too, right? Where she's like, she's fucking dying, right? And she's she has friends visit her. You know, um, I don't know. She's not a prostitute, is she? Sex worker. She is. Sorry. Uh, I think so. Okay. I think, I mean, I think that they, I think she was paying her. We don't mm-hmm. really know the whole story, but okay. like there was kind of the. Yeah. But she was sort of like, 
I wouldn't say living it up, you know, but like yeah. she was trying to enjoy herself, right? Yeah. But you yeah. could tell there were moments where she's like, like struggling with it. Right. You know, and even in the last conversation they had, right? Mm -hmm. She's like, dude, dying sucks. Yeah. You know, and like, what are we supposed to do? What would you do if you know you were dying, right? Yeah. Is it, is it religion? Is it whatever, you know, and like, or is it just sort of this more hedonistic lifestyle, you know, but I don't, I didn't see Amanda, her patient as living just a purely hedonistic, oh, she kind of was, but yeah. But, but it's in the, the, the I, that, I think that's what it's so nice about the film is they contextualize it against her situation. Right. Yeah. And makes it very, uh, makes you empathize with her. Just be like, you, you're doing all these things, and it, especially in Maud's eyes, are reprehensible. Right. However, you understand why she's doing it. There's a great reason for it. Yeah. You can, mm -hmm. Incontestable reason. Yeah. Who's going to tell her to stop? Right. And Maud's the only one with the audacity because she feels like she's so empowered by the quest and this is this journey that she's on right yeah. yeah 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 the save save the souls right she says to save a soul is quite something like she thinks that that will make her life worth it yeah mm -hmm. and she's always talking about like don't waste your suffering so yeah. to me that kind of also um made me think of like what was she doing before the conversion right right and like what was how does she make peace with like that whatever she's done right yeah that's what i wanted to say it's like such a direct uh, um mirror to the the trauma that she experienced right if she can save a life and um maybe she can like feel at peace with herself totally you know, what it happened totally. yeah because there, there there's parts of the movie that inform that too right because there she bumps into one of her former co-workers um and then i think like after she gets fired um she kind of like goes out by herself and she's kind of behaving kind of weird right and then she ends up sleeping with one of the, a guy that she meets at the bar and then that's like she, she kind of has this like flashback while they're having sex um and then before she leaves well he essentially he, he rapes, rapes her, her. Yeah. yeah after she's because she stopped the sex after the flashback and she said she didn't want to have sex but apparently yeah. he was too interested in finishing and so he held her down and raped her as she was like in this yeah like kind yeah, of so. mm -hmm. disassociated state yeah. like in her trauma but then before she leaves yeah, yeah. Like, oh i used to see you out all the time like, totally you had a thing from one of my friends and you're like and he knew like he was she was a nurse girl so like i'm guessing that like she probably partied a lot you know? Yeah. I really thought that that whole. I, I joked about it when we were watching, like, oh, that's not Ma, that's Katie. But as the scene went on, it yeah. kind of felt like she just relapsed into really who she used to be and what she right. used to be doing. Right. Absolutely. And like, it felt natural, and she knew exactly what she was doing throughout the whole the whole thing. She felt in control of the situation, but almost like didn't like that it was happening. Yeah, because I think she lives like. Um, I think ascetic is the right is the word um but like because her co-worker comes visit her at her place and she seems kind of shocked at like how the place looks she's like oh this is nice and she lives like a very minimalist lifestyle you know? right and then um and then even when she meets her co-worker you know like like i think her co-worker implies that like they used to go out you know and like it sounded like and and in in, in the movie technique wise right or in terms of the writing 
her coworker just refers to her as Katie, even though she's Maud and everything else. Mm-hmm. And so Katie, like you said, like re- kind of represents her like past self. Right. right? And, that, and that's like a strong religious sort of thing too, right? Where it's like your old self is like when you, when you're saved, right? your old self dies mm-hmm. and you're born anew. And you're transformed as she says herself. Right. right. And so like, I think a lot of what she's doing post conversion and the conversion happens to, you know, be because she went through this traumatic event with her like last patient at, at the hospital. Um, a lot of what she continues to do is like kind of penance, right? Cause mm-hmm. in, like the more Catholic tradition, they're right? just trying to like, Oh no, like I'm dedicating myself to God now. And this is what God wants me to do. And cause even before she goes to this job, she prays to God and she's like, kind of like, help me, tell me what you want from me in this. Right. You know, and it's kind of like this new start. And so she's kind of like surrendering herself to God. To her purpose. Right. With God. Yeah. 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 And I thought that was like really interesting. Just to go back to the, the, the bar scene as well. Like the, all the accent she, she gives a guy a hand job from just staring at him from across the room and then he volunteers it. And then later, in the um, corner of the bar too, not even like not in the stall. Yeah, not, <laughs> not like not. They weren't hiding it. Yeah, no, they were not. Um, and then she's throwing back shots. Yeah. Uh, and then she hallucinates at the bar. Then she she meets the guy, and then all these all these things like are a direct like connection point to what Amanda was doing. Right. And like, is this like all just like a penance that she's trying to like fix within herself, or just address within herself? It's like everything in the Katie scene felt exactly what she was so like against. Yeah. And, like I it just, everything's so tight in this film that I, that doesn't feel like coincidence. Yeah. I don't think it is. Yeah. yeah. I think like, I think she was thinking if she could save Amanda, she could save herself. Yeah. Like, and then when she killed Amanda that she had to die. Mm. You know, like that was her like sacrifice. Yeah. That was the point, last test. And every point that she had hurt Amanda, she hurt herself. Right. As uh, penance. Yeah. To right. like almost like suffer with her or like to mirror what she was going through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she when she in the middle of the film tells Amanda's um, sex worker lover friend um, to go away. Yeah. Uh, for the sake of her health and for um, to d- not distract her with her hedonistic ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, she needs to focus because she's doing something very important. Yeah. She's doing the Lord's work. Yeah. This is like serious shit. She's. Like, I'm here for this. Don't distract us. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily she disappears. For Maud, she disappears for a couple of weeks. But when she comes back, she is, uh, she reveals it to Amanda and it causes, uh, it causes Amanda a lot of pain to know that it happened. Yeah. And in retaliation, she burns her hand. Yeah. And she doesn't really, the scene right after is her returning back to form, thinking, smiling and trying to connect with Amanda and like sharing this, like you went through this, but look what I did as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's this constant mirroring of like step by step with each other. Yeah. I save you, you save me kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And I think that's like at the end too, when, um, Amanda says like, he, he isn't real. You must know that. Like talking about God. Mm-hmm. I think that that was just like, uh, a point where maybe for a second she felt that. Because she reacted like she looked like she was going to scream or cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like right before the demon showed up, right? Mm-hmm. So it makes me think like that that hit her so hard that she wasn't able to like 
accept it. Mm-hmm. And then... When, that's when the, the biggest retaliation of her psychosis right. could happen. Right. And it's conveniently tied to, like, how... Um, Catholicism, not even Catholicism, but the, sometimes the belief in God can feel like you just feel like you can get be tested and yeah. you never know when it's coming and you want to be a loyal servant. Right. You want to mm-hmm. be yeah. as pious as possible. Yeah. And to be tested and to lose, that's what, and not to lose, but... To, well, to fail, yeah. To fail, yeah. To, really, to fail. And killing Amanda in retaliation to all that as if, as if she's fighting a demon as yeah. if this whole thing that she had done she finally had to confront yeah yeah and, we have, and for a moment we see Amanda's body as it really is we hear her dying we hear yeah. her gurgling and her last breath and it's not sensationalized and it's not in this fantasy world that um, Maude has set up for herself right yeah, yeah, yeah. there's kind of like that that like gross reality mm-hmm. of it I like how they did the gross reality of it because I think that is often what is so horrifying to us when we're confronted with stuff like that and when they were, um, you know, they had the image of like the body stacked up in the basement of the um, the hospital that she mm-hmm. worked at and she just kind of had to unload the other, like this woman into that basement and her hands were covered with blood and um, like... All of that was like very raw and gross, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and I. And she's covered in blood. She's covered in blood, yeah. and then when Amanda dies, like she's again like washing the blood off of her hands, mm-hmm. um, but she's doing it in this like holy water that she like blessed, she right? Injury, right? Yeah. yeah, it's almost as if she's like trying to wash it all away, like trying to just like. I don't know, like the image of her hands being covered in blood at those mm-hmm. like two times that she was splashing back to again, like. It was intense. You you made a uh, a comment about is because the next day she wears the same robe, mm-hmm. or I guess robe as she was when she kills Amanda. Mm-hmm. And you made a comment how I was like, oh, is it like the same one? Is there blood on it? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that is another like visual cue of how different that she she feels her life is. Right. She, shot, oh, she showered in light for the next scene, and when she's on the beach, it's no longer this harsh lighting on her face it's all the lighting was always like cupping her face so you can see like the sharpness of her her the, her cheekbones it's yeah. always sort of like unsettling yeah yeah and very and it's and always like sh- a little bit of light above her to right carve her out in the dark the darkness that she's always in yeah and very end it's just this wash of light and it's soft and when she's singing there's the sunlight coming through and you can feel warmth yeah. yeah and it just feels like she's transcended to the world that she is like sought after this whole time yeah yeah like because like in her mind she's achieved what what she's meant to do exactly and she's achieved her goal you know and like yeah because it that's a that's the one thing that's like made very obvious is she's like often contrasted in a lot of darkness actually Mm -hmm. right like that's one and i I didn't make a very strong connection to it but visually you notice it right because it's like the the lighting's very dark, but like like you said, like the the it's, I almost I almost thought it was very flattering for her too, because mm-hmm. she's actually a very like pretty girl, mm-hmm. and so like a lot of the lighting, but there are also moments where she looks like sinister too, mm-hmm. you know, like or sickly kind of yeah like, yeah, yeah yeah yeah, and uh, like or sick because she is like a very like petite like woman too, but um, there I think there was uh. 
the, the first time I noticed it was when she first gets to the house and she meets the, 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 the previous nurse and then she goes up the stairs and it's just like her against the stairs. Mm-hmm. Everything else is black. Yeah. Like it's constantly like the shots are constantly like one lit area and then like darkness. Mm-hmm. Like not even just like, oh I could kind of see like the details on the wall. It's, it's like, just, just black. Pure black. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like a lot of that. And then yeah, like you said, like at the end she's walking down to the beach and it's like this like a lot more like diffuse lighting, I yeah, guess. Yeah, nice and glorious light. It's an like overcast day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just it's a peaceful day for her. Yeah. But in the end, she is but she is that glorious light. She yeah. explodes into like a holy light. I wonder too if like, because you, you, you were talking about how, um, um, you know, we were, um, the matron had made a comment about, you know, she's still wearing the bloody toga. <laughs> she might have been. She might have been, but like right. she didn't see it, right? Because right. like there's constantly this like, in the in the movie you're constantly questioning like what is real like because they they almost exclusively show you what she might have been imagining you know mm-hmm. so she must have imagined because the other she's always alone as well yeah right. you do see the bloody bandage on her hand because mm-hmm. she, she burns the back of her hand in a previous scene in like the middle of the movie and she has a bandage for the rest of the movie and the bandage is still bloody and when so she's maybe, walking on the beach? Yeah, and holding the bag. Mm-hmm. And, and it's contrasted with the white-ass plastic bag. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, like, but that was, like, somewhat hidden. But she could have still been wearing the bloody toga because she was getting weird looks. But also, like, if somebody's wearing, like, sort of saintly robes uh, on the street in some small British town, you probably get some looks. Mm-hmm. I mean, fair. Yeah. I mean, I think that they, they, there's two shots that make me feel like there's deliberate, just like how odd it was. There's a shot of how really wide it was just walking on the beach, and you kind of just notice other people the same scale as her. And you, you really notice how strange she looks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, babe, it's just like wrapped in a bed sheet, really. Yeah. It's like, like mauve bed sheet. And like, um, yeah, every moment from when she wakes, I mean, when she's walking to the beach, you can you notice how much, how more sunken her skin looks. Yeah, she's really rough. It's like and massive bags under her. Yeah, eyes. really bad, really bad bags, and her skin almost looks bluish. Yeah, comparatively, and like she's usually lit in very warm light throughout yeah. the, the most of the film, which is I love because it really eases us into follow her journey because we're not even convinced anything's wrong with her really. Yeah, because if you. If you started the movie with her, with like, you know how you, as a kid, you take a flashlight, you light under your face. Yeah. It's going to look a little creepy and scary. Yeah. If you did something so deliberate as that, we'd just be like, okay, well, we know what you're trying to tell us. Right. But at first, there's a lot of like ambiguous soft lighting and we're trying to figure it out. And there's yeah. a lot of warm highlights where it's just like, you feel trusting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you want it, you just follow her where she's going because she's giving you no reason. Yeah. But as things go on, like the colors get gross, you get a lot more yellow, yeah. you get a lot more this cold, steely stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I noticed in the scene where she kills Amanda and confronts Amanda, it's the most like naturalistic lighting. There's a lot of yeah. that cold and the warm. Yeah. But it just feels like you're in the room with them and there's nothing really crazy about it until right. she hallucinates again. Right. And it gets a lot more intense. The angles change and it gets all frantic. Yeah. 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 Like, there's the, the language of the film is supporting a lot of these, this slow realize not slow realization, but slow, I guess, fall into what she was going through. Right. Her inability to really see past the framework of that she had set up for herself. Yeah. yeah. 
And the violence, I mean, I think that the natural lighting and kind of the brutality of Amanda's death too, uh, just that they showed every detail. Also, I mean, I think violence is often grounding for people. Mm -hmm. Like when she's like doing the violence on herself, when she's putting the tacks in her shoe or she's like self-harming, burning her hand, um, you know, those, one of the reasons why people do that so often if they are having hallucinations is like they want to ground themselves in what's real, Mm. right? It's like when you're in a dream and you're like, is this a dream or is this not a dream? Like, yeah, pinch yourself, right? So it's, it's also serves that function. There's a lot of functions it serves, but it also serves the function of like letting you know what's real. Mm. And so often people with hallucinations will do stuff like that. And you know, there is a huge religious context for that. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. a, a huge religious history behind that. So it fits in very nicely, I think, with, like, some of this, like, feelings she might be having. And, like, I went through when we were watching, and I was trying to... Because um, I think that the people who made this movie had a very clear understanding of what, if this was kind of a psychotic disorder, like, what it would look like. Mm-hmm. Um, she exhibited like a lot of like symptoms of it, not just like the hallucinations, um, but like the depression, like the isolation. Right. Um, she, there were moments where she was like very hypervigilant, like she, like the sounds were very loud Mm. or she was like overwhelmed Mm. kind of, um, when she was downtown. Right. And that, um, is also kind of how people feel. They have like these weird sensory reactions, Mm -hmm. um, and not showering. So when she was when she was um, just on her own, you without like the the heavenly lighting, you could see that she was very like unshowered. Like her hair was very greasy. Oh. Um, it looked like you know people were making comments about her face or whatever. Like there, she didn't look like she was very well groomed. Mm. Um, and when people are like kind of struggling with what's real and what's not. Like, the last thing that you need to be thinking about is showering, right? Right. And time is also can be really funny for folks, so they don't know how much time it's been since they've showered. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes that can be, like, a little bit of a sign. Um, Often, one of the first signs that, like, people around them notice, especially if somebody's having, like, kind of their first episode of psychosis. Um, And that I thought that they did really well. And then the scene where she levitates in her apartment... Um, they show her like kind of convulsing, like she's having a seizure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is also, you know, something that can happen. Right. People like, not only do people feel like, like something else is moving their limbs, but also people, um, who have like a psychotic disorder might also have like accompanying seizures. Um, and there's a lot of different reasons behind that, but I thought that that was really well done. I mm-hmm. thought they were very like yeah. thorough with kind of presenting that alternate storyline while showing it through like her eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, uh, it wasn't heavy handed, but it was like always there throughout like every step of the way. Yeah. 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 In that, since there is a sense that is so tightly wound to this concept, was there things that stood out to you that would be outside that wouldn't support it, that you would be like, that actually isn't so real or that that doesn't actually exist as often? I think, that there was definitely uh, this, like it was dramatized, right? Mm-hmm. 
often it's like very mundane um but also just in general the violence aspect like the mm-hmm. fact that she like killed amanda mm-hmm. um people who have psychotic disorders like have much higher rates of like death by suicide um but as far as like homicide goes i think there's like this really strong misconception mm-hmm. when in reality people with psychotic disorders are much more likely to be victims of violent crime than they are to perpetrate violent crime right. but it's often something that we're drawn to in a in a horrifying kind of aspect of our lives because like how scary would that be right. you know we all can kind of identify with either like seeing something out of the corner of our eye or you know um thinking that your phone vibrated when it didn't yeah right right <laughs> like <laughs> that that in itself is a tactile hallucination that mm-hmm. we have yeah. based on like our body trying to predict events and so we all can kind of empathize with the with not being able to trust even like our thoughts sometimes we might think someone hates us or that they think very highly of us and then we find out that that's not true um so our we all create our own reality based on like the snippets of information we have access to and Mm -hmm. we all see things differently even colors we can see colors in a different way i mean it's we are sensory beings that are doing the best we can to piece together reality with our senses and that's not complete and our senses are different and so everybody i think can identify with like what if my brain just turned on me one day mm-hmm. like how bad could that get and i think that's one of the reasons why it's so scary is because it's so overwhelming mm-hmm. you know yeah. like what if one day we woke up and we couldn't trust ourselves yeah mm-hmm. yeah which is a benefit, I think, also to the genre as well. Yeah. I think presenting it in this genre where if we don't start, again, from a trusting place, then we're never going to get to this this like big realization and this big weight of it. And right. that's the nature of it, truly, is that it doesn't hit you over the head. It is slowly, and then you live with it, and then it flares up in some ways, and then it will be Absolutely. more intense in some days. Yeah. Totally. And, yeah, and I think it's such a testament to the filmmakers that most of the choices and most of the things that were done were in support of this one theme, this one thesis that they're trying to achieve. Yeah. And yeah. if the violence was the one tool they used to tell the story, like, I think we, there's like a pass because of the genre. Yeah. Because you kind of have to, at the end of the day, tell a sensational story. Yeah. But also, the rest of it is in so, with so much support. Yeah. The rest of like the, the connections between mental illness in this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, like I mean, I feel like part of it too, maybe unre- not super directly related to the movie, but like we're constantly wondering or trying to find out why violence happens. Mm. Mm, that's also a really good point. Right. Because, like, cause that's like her whole quest, basically. Yeah. And, yeah, wow. And, like, but even in the way that I think, like, because I think one of the one of the reasons why, or one of the themes that comes up a lot in this podcast is, um, well, one of the things that you try to debunk a lot is like, no, like people don't kill people because they're like of these mental illnesses all the time. You right. Know? Like, 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 cause we have this misconception, right? Cause I joked at the end, I was like, cause she was walking up to the house and it's like, Oh, she snapped. And then yeah. I was kind of like, well, no, she probably snapped like before, but then also, <laughs> part of the, part of what we really want to drive home in this podcast is you don't snap actually. Yeah. That's not, not yeah. what happens, right? Yeah. We, we, we'd like for that to be a description of why somebody commits a violent act, but, but 
the idea that somebody one day you know snaps and then they they, they, they go murder somebody you know is not true at least not always of, true in the way that it's depicted in these movies right as of getting help is snap prevention right exactly right. Right. exactly it's not a singular event that you're trying to dodge it's, right it's this gradual workup that you're trying to gradually chip away at right. as well right right and, right and so i think it's you know again maybe not directly related to the movie but we i think those of you that have been through violent you know um events like you probably have a better understanding but even then it might be still hard to understand right but like because like because like it's the craziest not crazy that's such a sorry but like (laughs) it could be hard to to wrestle with right is like absolutely why does violence happen and oftentimes the simplest explanation that we want is well somebody and i'm using air quotes snapped and then they killed somebody they were not themselves Mm -hmm. yeah or or whatever but it's often way more complicated than that yeah and 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 the pieces have to be in place for an event like that to occur it's not just one isolated event right fine and then you snap it's this person was in a place where this was this could happen to them after other things have compounded right and i think that's a really great point especially in the context of katie or maude like after experiencing this horrifying tragedy then where she feels a lot of guilt going to this very like strict kind of like definition of what life should be or like these rules or what her purpose is. And I think that's exactly kind of the same type of thinking that we fall into when we try to put violence in a box by saying it's because people had a mental illness or because they snapped, Mm -hmm. because I think it's, it's easier to believe that there's these predictable rules around it right. because if there's these predictable rules around it, then we can avoid it and right. then we can live comfortably and <laughs> right. safely. Yeah. Right. Because the reality and what is really like painful to acknowledge is that, you know, shit happens and sometimes it happens for no fucking reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's an accident. Sometimes it's murder. Sometimes it's whatever, a health issue. Like, it happens, and one of the most helpful things I think I heard from a colleague of mine was, you know, some people get comfort out of thinking things happen for a reason, but when something horrifying happens, it can be more helpful to acknowledge that there was no purpose in this, that there was nothing to be gained from this, that this is an event to mourn, and this is awful, and if things were right, this shouldn't have happened. Because if we go around trying to find meaning, I think it's a way of distracting ourselves from how we actually are feeling. Yeah. And, you know, I think when anyone dies, even if you're a healthcare provider or not, there's like some level of guilt that happens because we're alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no matter what, like we are faced with that reality that this person passed away and that we didn't pass away. Mm-hmm. And that like is sometimes unbearable. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of what Maude or Katie was trying to do, was trying to figure out, like, a reason why to be able to, like, put some sort of, like, container on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's relatable as hell. Yeah. Because, like, but that's what we all try to do, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think compounded with the, her backstory of, yeah. kind of living more of, like, maybe a party girl lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And before. feeling guilt from that. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's mismatched, but, but, again, with the shit cocktail which not shit cocktail because i don't want to rag on religion but like 
I think with the bad mix, it, it, it's kind of a bad mix in, mm-hmm. in, in yeah. her situation, you know. For the reasons that she went into it and how she was going about it, it was right. completely inappropriate. Not, not for the, yeah. It wasn't helpful for her. It wasn't helpful. And it was very isolated. She didn't have anybody to talk to about it. Yeah, she didn't right. have anybody who could have said, you know, like, maybe there are other ways to think about this or, yeah. or maybe you need help. Yeah. Like, there was just nobody around her. And it seemed like she had really taken herself out of one life and wanted it to have not happened. Yeah. The, the demon even highlighted that. She's alone. She's alone. You're the, you, and like, I think, I feel like that was the first word that the demon said, like, you're the loneliest girl. Yes, know. absolutely. And even when the demon first appears to her, um, he mentions like, oh, like, like, I don't know if the word, actually wording was like, no one was there for you, mom, dad. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's just highlighting her loneliness. Yeah. And she's constantly moving from place to place alone. And she's trying to constantly getting out of social, any sort of social situation mm-hmm. that like persists. When right. someone's kind to her, she just wants to get rid of her coworker. Yeah. That's like true. That but is kind of reaching out. Reaching out, but also like skeptical about what is going on with her because yeah. she seems odd because yeah. she knows exactly who she was before. And this is a complete transformation. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and she she always she says many times in the movie, "Don't waste your suffering." Mm-hmm. And so it feels like that's what she's trying to do is to find some sort of purpose to her suffering, mm-hmm. or like some sort of meaning to it. Yeah, yeah. All the most of the stuff that most of the words that Maud speaks for the first half of the film are internalized, mm-hmm. and this is just this constant conversation of her reinforcing herself and just like surviving. Yeah. But and trying to find a, a, a way to survive, but it is. Yeah, that's how we start the film with where that's the journey that she takes us on. Yeah. yeah. So, um, who are you guys in the film? Are you Katie or Maude? Because there's not a lot of characters. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Who are you? Just everybody. Yo, I'm fucking Amanda. That's not I. Me. I know Amanda's so relatable. She's cruel yeah. at that one point, but she is relatable as hell. Yeah. She is cruel, but like, you know, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. the bitch is like a, like a famous like dancer and like they mentioned earlier that she's like 49 she's she's dying from like a spinal cancer yeah yeah and like and she's struggling with it as like uh, and it felt so relatable because it's like i I, like yeah like smoke that cigarette yeah i know like like you know too damn (laughs) you know like yeah like it's i i just don't know what i would do right like yeah go through it and then you're just like well fuck like um this sucks <laughs> and she's wrestling with it all throughout she's while she is cruel to mod when mod comes back to her the first thing she does is apologize to her right yeah and she feels for her yeah, yeah. i mean like you know um the matron and i recently been talking um about you know illness and dignity and illness and, and i think there's there's some i i think it's a bit of a myth right there's mm-hmm. there's this idea when you know, if somebody goes through an illness and they pass away, you, you know, there's there's always this thing that some people say, about, oh, you know, they, they, they were so tough. They were a and, warrior. Yeah, they were a warrior and, and they never fighter. complained. Yeah. You know. Always had and, a positive outlook. Yeah, fuck Always that. had a good spirit. Yeah. Because my interpretation of that now is actually, and not because of this movie, but is sort of like, that's for everybody else. Absolutely. There's no dignity in illness, actually. You it's know. undignified as hell. Yeah, like something is like something is fucking with your body and fucking with your mind, and 
and when somebody says that afterwards it's really it's really a, a, a like the truth is trying to come out it's an admission that like oh no they spared us the 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 nastiness of it right mm-hmm. but 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 that and, and i think this is a theme that the matron and i want to get it more into in this podcast is our relationship with death right it's yeah that like oh they didn't get a they the, the person dying did a good job of not reminding us that they were dying that's exactly what it or feels like yes you know yes and 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 i i actually really liked amanda because like Yo, I'd fucking say something like that, right? Totally. Like, if I was dying and I had a nurse that was being super pious at me, right? Like, I, there's a part of me that would consider it, of course, you know? Like, I'm about like, why to not? <laughs> quote, unquote, meet my fucking maker. Yeah. And I'd probably be, yeah, should I make up with God? You of know? course you're going to consider yeah, everything consider at that point. And, but then also, if she fucking fucks with your shit, like, mm-hmm. tries to tell, you know, your lover that she can't be around anymore, then I'd, I'd be pissed. Yeah. Of course. You know, I'd be like, and I'd say some snarky things, you know, I'd be and like. She, she says that loud and clear when she brings it up later. Yeah. It's like, did you, uh, Maude says, you felt the same thing, you felt God's love as I felt. But she's like, uh, dying can be so dull. Yeah. She's just trying to find something to bring her out of this fucking awful thing that she's going yeah. through. Like, yeah. Like, no glory. Yeah. Like, she did that for mod and for entertainment. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, in a way, she she maybe was trying to feel it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, you know? And, like, but... But mod crossed the line that, like, in, like, just was so irrelevant to what she was trying to deal with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because, like, it would be, like, you know, and I'm sure we've... Because we've all grown up in church, but, like, you got, you got a thing going and then some somebody says, oh, no, you can't do that anymore. Right, because right. of this religion, you can't do that anymore, mm-hmm. and 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 they and they sabotage it too. Then I'd be like, I'm not interested in your religion, or this makes me less interested in what you're preaching at me about, mm-hmm. right? Because like that was something I enjoyed, and that was something that was important to me, yep. and, and 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 you fucked with it, and mm-hmm. so I'm actually I care less about your 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 your, your God now. Yeah. And I think it's also like like maybe Maud's interpretation of her suffering was also like um diminishing it in a way of saying that like you know you have this one important thing to do before you die right and that's like and then you can go on your merry way and then you can go on your merry way yeah. and she was kind of i think the way that she said you know he's not there he's not real you know that don't you I think the way that she said that, like, she just was so sincere about it. Like, yeah. as what? if, like, you think I haven't, like, prayed? Like, I'm dying, yeah, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. you think, like, I haven't, like, asked for a miracle? Of, yeah. of course she probably yeah. has, right? Like, and the idea that, like, this young nurse right. was going to, like, be her savior, you yeah. know? Like, was... Who was this really for? Too? Exactly, or exactly. You, you know, Maude wasn't, wasn't there for her. Mm-mm. Really wasn't. Yeah. She, she had her own agenda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as like as much as you can criticize the things that she was doing, but like it just trying like just trying to survive, just like her. Mm-hmm. But right. came out in a completely different way. Yeah. And it's just yeah, I mean that's if, if we're gonna make a comparison that they went they were living similar lives, how they processed it was completely different. Right. right. You know, there was a sense of reality to how Amanda processed everything. There was she was grounded throughout. Mm-hmm. And she was able to process everything. And that's why it was so horrible for her. But Maude was kind of just floating on cloud nine when she was enraptured in what she was, you know, 
focused on. Yeah. Right. She could she could be more blissful and like righteous. And like high off of it. Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, definitely. There's like hallucinations yeah. that like were <laughs> seem like I don't know pleasure shooting through her body. Yeah. 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 yeah more than once. Okay, so we're all Amanda. Or I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> I would like to think so. Yeah. Just because, yeah. Especially the cynicism is, is pretty great. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is, yeah. Well, I'm, or... Oh, know. I was just going to say, I mean, I feel for Katie because I, like, you know, I've lost patience and I feel like, you know, that's a horrible thing that no discipline in healthcare really prepares you for. Yeah. Um, Especially because you're in mental health care. (laughs) Yeah, that that also is intense. But I I really empathize with that, with her. Like, I empathize with her in that, what was that, that elevator or that room or whatever she was in, like, before, like, when she would have her flashbacks. I thought Mm -hmm. that 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 was, like, a really real moment for her when she just, like, that was... A complete nightmare yeah you know um but overall it's just there's just no one else i think i could relate to yeah because i couldn't relate to like her her strength of belief in that yeah yeah well um i think that basically wraps it great film just yeah solid yeah highly recommend which yeah. we're on now Pretty much on a streak. They all, they've all been pretty good. Um, I do want to say thank you for waiting, but, you know, we're just going to post these whenever. But it's been a while. Um, but, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. By the time you get this, is anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to the Sound Demon for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. He'll probably be on for another one or two. We're doing a residency. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. the sound demon is in residence. <laughs> yes, he is in town. So uh, the sound demon's house is being fumigated. There's cockroaches on the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man! Don't fly into your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Um, and with that, sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Thank you. Thank you.